I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Story time. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I was hiking in the Barrington Tops, Australia, New South Wales, Australian State, and stopped at a place called Dead Horse Swamp. Lovely sight, Got a drop toilet there which is a luxury and a waterfall nearby. Cut to night time and I had downed my fire since it was bushfire season so I could go to sleep. Cut to a few hours later and I hear rustling and grunting. Thought it might have been a kangaroo or wallaby and shrugged it off. I had stored my food and supplies in the toilet block which had a lockable door so it couldn't attract animals, but I figured they must have smelt something. The rustling continues and I hear grunting and shuffling. So being the coward I am I freeze in my tent and pray that whatever it was doesn't come near me. 
Well it did and I hear this loud heavy breathing and grunting followed by heavy footsteps and at this point I'm shaking in fear. I start praying to any god that it have me and remain as still as I could. The thing went to the opening of my tent which had a flimsy little zipper to keep whatever it is outside and stopped. So I did what any grown man who is fearing for his life does, and I scream my lungs out. I hear a stampede of feet run away from the tent and the rest of the night is quiet. I stayed up all night and as soon as dawn hit I made my way to my car and got the F out of there. Probably was a Bigfoot but gee damn did I think it was Ivan Milat or Ted Bundy coming to skin me alive. After grad school I moved into a house that my grandparents owned in rural East Georgia. They would visit every once in a while, but for weeks at a time, I was completely alone. This house is in the literal middle of nowhere and is on about 20 acres or so surrounded by woodlands. The property is at the end of an easement, off a dirt road, off a rural paved road, off of a state highway. I had a few neighbors, but the nearest house was over a mile and a half away. I wake up one morning to go for a run down the easement to the dirt road when I notice a set of unique, approximately size 10 footprints going towards my house. I followed them all the way to the carport where they disappeared either onto the concrete or the grass. No one, other than me, had been at the house in almost two weeks. It had rained a few days earlier, which meant the tracks were discernible and relatively fresh. The door was locked and I was ready to run, so I decided to backtrack them to see where they originated from. I followed them six of a mile down the easement. I followed them eight of a mile down the dirt road to the intersection of the paved road where I lost the trail. They were definitely a one-way set of prints that ended almost a mile and a half down the road at my carport. I began to freak out. I called someone and let them know what I found in case I went missing. I returned to their vanishing point at the carport and attempt to track them through the grass. I'm not a skilled tracker by any means but I hadn't cut the grass in a while and thought that I could follow them. Turns out I could. They went down the property line and into the woods. I followed them about 20 feet until I came to the creek that runs along the southernmost property boundary. The footprints clearly walked through the mud and into the creek. They didn't come out the other side. I checked up and down the creek side and couldn't find an exit point. Judging from the path the person took, they knew where they were going. There were no stopping points. There were no deviations in the direction, no moves in either direction and no zigzagging. They walked from the paved road in a single direction down a dirt road and down an easement, along the edge of my house, down the tree line, and into a creek. Also, did I mention they were barefoot? I spent three months working in Alaska in a remote area about two hours north of Anchorage during the summer five years ago. It was summer time so the darkest it would get would be considered dusk anywhere else. I often took walks down to the river alone which was about a three mile walk from my compound, very secluded and quiet. One evening I wasn't tired and decided to head to the river to see if I could find any wildlife wandering around, I love animals. It was about 2 a.m., it was the darkest time of day, the sun wasn't visible but it wasn't completely dark. When I got to the river I poked around for a while and listened to my surroundings, 
Then I heard the most eerie sound of my life. I heard what sounded like the alien ships from War of the Worlds, it was like a trombone sound multiplied by a thousand, it was so loud I covered my ears. There was no construction, no people playing instruments, nothing that could explain what this sound was. This was actually back before I was a ranger. See, I had moved out of the area, which is where most of these encounters had happened. And about two months after, me and my family decided to go camping up in the same forest, the same area by the way, the national park that I would later encounter many strange things on my job. This was a place where I used to play all the time when I was young. There were never any strangers or anybody else in these woods, so it wasn't unusual that we were going there for a weekend trip. When we did, we hadn't been there for more than 30 minutes when my mother looked into the fire and said, what's that? There's something in the trees. I immediately looked up, scanning, and saw a very tall, extremely skinny figure. Its arms down to its sides, just watching us. It had these giant black eyes that weren't really slanted but more rounded at the top and bottom part of the eye. It kind of reminded me of a giant insect. After about 10 seconds of a stare off, my father began screaming to me and my brother in a loud voice, stop looking at it, run. Which, in retrospect, was probably the worst thing he could have done. Either he wanted us to look away or maybe even run at the side of this thing. But instead, I felt drawn towards it, not even afraid for some reason, like I wasn't scared like I should have been. I felt as if this thing put a trance on me, like I was off in another world while I was looking at it. The whole entire thing, the encounter, everything was so strange. I remember the night being quiet, no crickets, and the entire time it felt like time had slowed down but sped up all the same time. There's no way this could have been a human being, this was something else entirely. I'm not exactly sure where this thing came from, but apparently, it had snuck up on us and had been watching us from the trees. We weren't properly paying attention to our surroundings, something I get after many campers for nowadays. My mother only ended up seeing it because of the movement of the light. This thing scared me badly, and if anybody has seen anything like this before, please let me know. If not, then I'm beginning to think I've been seeing something that isn't there or something that should not exist in the world we live in. I've tried to do some research on what type of animal this could have been, based on the sound, based on the size and speed, nothing is seeming to match. I'm wanting to know what you think it might be. We had never heard of anything like this before in the woods, especially back then, let alone any of my friends who are all seasoned hunters, by the way. This thing let off a high-pitched scream, but with something so large like an elephant screaming. Nobody knows for sure exactly. I've read a couple theories about cougars apparently looking like this, but none that I've ever seen myself. I should also mention that there was hardly any coloration on this thing. I don't believe it was a bear, it was kind of brownish in color but no real coloration. If anybody has any idea what type of creature we might be dealing with, please let me know. This memory has haunted me for a very, very long time. Not my account but a retired Cajun corporal and reporter to me. 
I'm a paranormal encrypted investigator, by the way, about a possible Rougarau sighting that occurred on the back portion of his property just north outside of New Orleans on a spring evening back in 2018. The witness was sitting on his back porch smoking his tobacco pipe when his eyes caught sight of some very large movements toward the back portion of his trees. It was dusk, light enough to still see but the sun was setting. He looked off into the trees and noticed what appeared to be a large hairy humanoid moving towards the tree line. He grew curious, wondering if this was some kind of bear. He grabbed a light and headed towards it. As he got closer, he noticed that the creature's head was much larger than a bear's. It resembled a wolf, but it still didn't answer what this creature was doing. He grew suspicious, and the witness claimed to sense something very strange. It was glancing around intelligently, looking directly in his direction, but it didn't act like the other animals do when they notice you. It did not appear to be frightened, which he thought was strange. The witness continued closing in on the creature but did not get too close. The creature then began to walk towards the trees, but it never turned around or acknowledged the witness's presence. The witness did not want to let the creature get away, so he followed it into the trees. The witness claimed that even though it was dusk, it should have been light enough to still see, yet this man claimed he could not see anything distinguishable in the trees just by glancing around with his light. He was now growing very suspicious, but he decided to stay calm. He turned his attention back at the creature, noticing it was gone. He thought that maybe it had gotten away, so he went looking for a trail to see where this creature might have gone. The witness claimed that he found nothing. He didn't notice any droppings, tracks, or anything else that might indicate this thing's presence. The witness decided to look around the area some more, but nothing came up. He turned his attention back at home and went in. That would be when he discovered that his dog was missing. Come to think of it, he told me that his dog had been gone all afternoon. The dog had a usual routine of going potty at around 2 or 3 p.m. Out in the back portion of woods to do their business and come back inside. He didn't think about it, and the dog was now gone. His mind immediately went to this large canine taking his dog without him knowing which would explain its presence. It was potentially drawn to his dog as food, which is why he spotted it. It could have been coming back for more. He's not sure. He didn't hear any sounds of yelping or anything, found no trace of blood or any signs that his dog had been taken or killed. But his dog, after this, was missing. He found it strange that when he cast light on this thing, it was so dark. He said that its fur seemed to absorb the light around it. It was unnaturally dark. He heavily believes that what he saw that evening was, in fact, a Rougarau. He has no doubts about that. He claimed that the experience was very memorable. He had heard about Rougarus and Rougarau sightings but didn't believe it seriously until he experienced this for himself. The wind whispered through the towering pines as I stood at the edge of Grand Teton National Park, a sense of unease settling in my chest. A series of unexplained disappearances had shaken the tranquility of this wilderness, and as a park ranger, it was my duty to unravel the mystery while ensuring the safety of the park's visitors. The task ahead was daunting, but I was determined to find answers. 
As I delved deeper into the investigation, strange markings etched into tree trunks caught my attention. They seemed deliberate, almost like a language written by nature itself. Local stories whispered about a creature lurking in the shadows, a being that defied explanation. People spoke of it in hushed tones, attributing the disappearances to its malevolent presence. I dismissed the tales as mere legends, but the marks in the woods seemed to hint at something more. One moonlit night, while on patrol, I glimpsed the unimaginable. A creature, like something out of a nightmare, feasting on the remains of a dead hiker. It was a chilling sight that sent shivers down my spine. Its eyes bore into mine with an intensity that froze my blood. Spittle ran down its face, its matted fur a grotesque mix of cream, red, and brown. Its face held an unsettling blend of wolf-like and human features, a twisted fusion that defied the laws of nature. Though my instinct screamed for me to flee, I fought the fear that threatened to consume me. I aimed my rifle, my trembling fingers finding their mark. The shot rang out, hitting the creature square in its grotesque form. It screeched, a sound that echoed through the night, and darted back into the woods, disappearing into the darkness. My heart pounded in my chest, and I questioned the reality of what I had just witnessed. Approaching the scene with caution, I called my colleagues using a walkie-talkie to report the grim discovery. As they arrived, the realization of the horror before us settled in. Remains of a hiker lay strewn across the forest floor, evidence of the creature's brutality. I recounted my encounter, every detail etched into my memory like a nightmare I couldn't escape. Then, a new presence arrived among us, representatives from the Secret Service, their expressions somber. They listened intently as I recounted my story, but their responses were cryptic. They informed me that they were taking over the case and instructed me to remain silent about what I had experienced. Confusion mingled with frustration as I protested, demanding answers. Their stern gazes held a weight of authority that silenced me. With a heavy heart, I relinquished control of the investigation, watching as they gathered evidence and documented the scene. They disappeared into the woods, leaving me with a sense of helplessness that gnawed at my soul. Days turned into weeks, and the park's visitors remained blissfully unaware of the terror that had unfolded. I continued my duties, haunted by the memory of that creature's malevolent gaze. The park regained its facade of tranquility, but the shadows held secrets that I could no longer access. And so, I watched over the park in silence, knowing that some mysteries were better left buried, even as the memory of that creature's haunting eyes continued to haunt my dreams. This occurred on June 17, 2015. It was a sunny day at around mid-afternoon while we were boating along the eastern shore of Lake George, New York. We were just above the Narrows, about 140 yards away from the shore. When the sighting occurred the shoreline of this section of the lake is state property and the part of the forever wild section of the Adirondacks. There are many square miles of wilderness here and this location is only about 8 miles from the locally famous Whitehall, New York sightings in 1976. We are motoring in our 19-foot outboard boat northeast in a narrow channel between some islands and the mainland. Oh our intended goal was a small single-site camp a short distance away. 
were traveling about 5 miles per hour, slightly above idling speed. As we cleared the channel there's a bay on our starboard side. Since I'm always scanning the water to the side looking for boat traffic I was looking east into the bay and I noticed movement close to the shoreline. It seemed that whatever it was that we caught it by surprise. As we cleared a point of land I got my wife's attention. She looked in that direction also saw it. My view was of a very large glossy black animate being that was squatted down by the water and seemed to quickly raise an arm from its side to a horizontal position. It rose up and then turned away and moved back to the side. It moved behind a nearby clump of coniferous trees. I couldn't believe how fast it moved. I then spun the boat around for a better view. Meanwhile my wife was watching it. Her impression was that it was large, dark, and upright and moved like an animal. Her view was slightly restricted by the trees that it was hiding behind, but she did notice that the being was swaying from side to side. The only known animal that is large and black out here in the Adirondacks is a black bear. We both strongly know it wasn't a bear. We can't provide any accurate dimensions or descriptions of any physical details but even though we're not sure of what it was we're sure of what it was not. We're used to seeing people on the shore and this being was far larger than any human. We had cameras and binoculars aboard but were trying to process what we saw and never thought to grab either of them. It happened that fast. We then continued on to the island which is about 200 yards from the sighting and only about 20 feet from the mainland. We chatted for a bit about what we just saw. Eventually we got the charcoal grill fired up and proceeded to cook a meal. We do this on a regular basis on the islands. As we're eating, all of a sudden I had a strong feeling to leave now. I shared that with my wife and we quickly finished our meal, loaded the gear back on the boat, and left. I was not afraid mind you but I experience a strong sense to leave. I knew we had to get out of there. I've never had that type of experience on the lake or anywhere else before and I'm not sure the two events are related. I suspect that it wanted us to go away and go away now. Since then I've had a heightened awareness of their presence in the woods and have found dozens of tree breaks and have recorded howls and wood knocks. On one occasion, while we were hiking in the fall, we noted a tree break at our destination and made a big deal about it. You can only imagine to our surprise as of a return down the same trail that something had bent and splintered a 4-inch living hardwood right over the trail. It was not that way on the way up. We did not feel afraid but something was clearly communicating to us that it was the baddest thing around. My story is short and takes place many years ago when I was a kid in the early 1980s living in southeast Missouri. My parents and the neighbors were hanging out having a few Miller lights in the neighbor's yard and we kids were playing. It was shortly after dark when we decided to play tag. For those of us that have actually gone outside to play in the suburbs know that this is a perfect time to play this game. My neighborhood was like most, I guess. But my neighborhood was near a creek that ran for miles and passed by several thick stands of trees. So we'd been playing a while when I ran away from whomever it was that was it. It was at that moment when I saw something. A huge almost glowing white shape walking between two trees in the yard in front of me. It looked like a mixture of the Patterson, Gimlin Bigfoot and one of those costumed villains from Scooby-Doo. 
It quickly passed behind a tree and was gone. It didn't reappear on the other side. I was so shocked and terrified that I couldn't take my eyes off where it had been. Then I ran straight into another tree knocking myself silly. After the excitement of me hurting myself was over, I told my brother about it and he, like everyone else I've told since, thought the same thing, that I had imagined it due to nearly knocking myself out. But I know what I saw and that I saw it before I hit the tree and to this day I can still see it in my mind as clearly as I did that late summer evening. I've gone on to call whatever I saw, Bigfoot's ghost. I live in Ohio, in a Cleveland suburb. This occurred in January 2023. At 1 AM I woke up and was very disoriented as well as sick to the stomach. It took me a good hour to fall back to sleep. Over the rest of the day I had multiple unexplained bizarre sightings and apparitions. At 7 AM, I wake up for a morning shower with the intention of going to work. It is still very dark and I spot a creepy dark figure moving across my back porch. It was approximately three feet in size. I was so frightened by the figure that I locked myself in my basement. No windows or ways to peek in. Around 7.30 am, I hear unexplained noises, anywhere from a banging to a boom. Then a loud ringing in only one ear. Early that afternoon, I decided it was safe to leave and drove to a friend's house on the outskirts of the city. As I was driving, I saw a large diamond-shaped light come from a patch of woods. The light started to fade, and I could spot movement towards the car. It was a triangular craft with a dark graphite-like texture and color. The object moved away from the car and disappeared into the woods. I soon arrived at my friend's, and we talked about the strange appearances. By the time I left around 4 am the next morning, my friend and I arrived at my home at 4.30 am. Well, that little pygmy figure appears again at 7 am right on the dot. My TV goes crazy. The only thing that happens from then on is us getting in my car, driving two miles out of town, stopping, vomiting and proceeding to the nearest church we can find. I speak to the pastor at the church at 8 am and he tells me bad things are associated with my house, but this did not convince me. So here I am, writing to you looking for some sort of explanation to these frightening appearances. I have seen the little being twice since. Is this only the beginning of these odd appearances? I pray I never see the dark creepy thing on my back porch ever again. It was June 1, 2015, at approximately 2.30 in the morning. I was sitting up in my bed after a girlfriend of mine had just left. The next thing I knew, a bright blue light was shining through my slider, and I was laying flat on my back completely paralyzed. I think I could move my eyes but I'm not sure. Then there were three four to five foot tall beings at the end of my bed. Their faces seemed kind of blurry or maybe it's my memory of it. The one in the middle was talking to me in my voice but inside of my head. I was trying to scream or even just move, but I couldn't. I just remember it telling me that everything was going to be fine, they're not going to hurt me. I asked them what they wanted. They said they just had to run a few tests and in the blink of an eye the other two beings were on both sides of me. 
The two of them put their two fingers underneath my lower back and my shoulder and I lifted out of the bed as if weightless. Then they floated me towards the sliding door and the flash of blue light took me out. After that, all I remember was a cold table and feeling very uncomfortable. Then, suddenly, I was back in my bed sitting up and it was 4.30 in the morning. I have a strange circle scar on my arm and three small scars in the shape of a triangle on my groin. Since then I have seen a bright orange fireball floating across the sky in my backyard and I wake every night at 3.30 and can watch the clock change if this is just a dream it was the most traumatic dream I've ever had in my life and I hope my kids don't have these dreams. I live in West Yarmouth, Massachusetts. For the past month I've been finding footprints all over my horse farm. I first found them behind my big garage not far from my horse pasture. Now I've been finding them in my horse's pasture. The first time I found them in my horse's pasture they were a little bigger than my foot and my horse's tracks are with them. I believe the creature is chasing my horses. Yesterday I found footprints in my front pasture and I saw juvenile and big footprints. After I gave my yearling a bath I saw all these footprints by our horse's water tub by the fence line in our yard. There were small and big prints where you can see toes and heel outlines. One was odd to me where it could look like a huge dog print. I don't know. It had toes prints. It has scared me so much I have purchased a security camera to get the creature on video. We have heard stories there in the area, cryptids. One person that saw them said that their big black hairy creature, this person deer hunts from a tree stand, five minutes from our house, and the other person saw them in their vehicle's headlights late at night on back roads, it was big hairy creature. They believe Bigfoot. It's not far from our property, five minutes away, and when this person went coon hunting they heard vocalization, whooping, and fled from the area after hearing this sound. I have heard weird noises in the night from inside my house and many times I hear weird sounds from my bedroom window. One night something was outside my bedroom window and scratching on the screen and trying to open my window. If I didn't bar my window it would have got in. Even when I changed rooms it followed me outside to the different bedroom and started scratching the window screens in that room. This encounter happened this year. I live in Newark, New Jersey, and like exploring old abandoned buildings and locations. Back in May 2023, I was at the old Essex County Jail, which has deteriorated beyond recognition. There are walls falling down and holes in the ceiling. The entire complex has been left in ruins. It's also a place where squatters and homeless people have moved in throughout the years, but they usually leave quickly. I've been wanting to go in there for a while so I strapped on my GoPro and headed out one weekend. I planned to spend a full night in the jail. The locks on nearly all of the gates have been cut and there are gaps in the fences, so it was easy to access. There is also a dirt road that leads into the place. I took my time walking along on the dirt road, then entering the buildings because I wanted to get some decent shots of the exterior. Once inside I ventured all over the jailhouse. I soon understood why so many people were creeped out by the place. It was absolutely disgusting and putrid from the transients coming and going. 
I decided to make my way to the lookout tower which was the most comfortable area I could find. I could see my car in case there was a problem and I had a great view of the entire facility from there. Once it got dark I got as cozy as I could in my sleeping bag. At around midnight, I was woken by a loud banging noise. I grabbed my lantern and adjusted the knob to make it brighter. Then I had a clear look at the cause of the racket. A huge figure with giant wings flung itself against the window of the lookout tower. The entire room shook and I heard the glass starting to crack again it hurled itself at the window. The thing was terrifying. It had large red eyes that glowed in the light of my lantern. The body was black and covered in hair. The wings were bat-like and maybe 15 feet wide. It was massive. I was shocked by the sight. So I started to run down the stairs of the lookout tower to get away but I stumbled and dropped my lantern. It crashed on the steps. I was in total darkness. The banging had stopped. Then I heard the thing take flight on its powerful wings and soon it was gone. I believe that the creature was a mix of a moth, a bat, and a human. Seriously. I believe the light from the lantern attracted it. Since that night, I have talked to other urban explorers who have mentioned the Batman in Newark. I had never heard of it before, but apparently others have. Have you ever heard of this creature? In December 1986 I was serving in a battalion of the of the Italian army in Bolzano. As I usually did in my off-duty time, I was strolling through the city which at that moment was beautiful to visit and see. It was night time and Christmas time and the buildings were festooned and decorated. The city itself was full of life with many people around for shopping at a given moment. I had the impression you feel when someone is staring at you. I turned my eyes and looked and in that moment my blood turned to ice. This thing from only about a meter or so away, was watching me. I could hear it breathing. Its eyes which were cold and blue were burning inside me as if he was browsing through my soul. It lasted maybe a second more likely, even less than the blink of an eye, and it turned into a rather attractive 40-something-year-old woman wearing a fur coat. The scariest thing was she was smiling at me with ice-cold blue eyes. I got away as fast as possible and didn't turn back. This was the scariest thing that's ever happened to me. The eyes of that thing were the same color blue as the eyes of the woman, very light blue. The place was full of people yet no one showed any signs that they noticed anything but me. I never mentioned this incident to anyone for years, just buried it. The first person I mentioned it to was my fiancé. This is not a joke and I don't do any drugs. When I turned around the beast was sitting on a park bench. I'm 6'4'3 and this thing looked bigger than me but the woman appeared to be of normal height 5 foot something. She had shoulder length dark blonde hair, the same color as the beast. I'm no wimp, I can tell you that much but I almost crapped myself. I could see the muscles of the creature underneath the blonde hair. It was slowly gathering itself up beneath itself like it was preparing to jump down my throat. Solid muscles, veins, tendons, I could see it all. I knew that it was real believe it or not. I'm still too scared to think about it after all these years and the scariest part was the woman wanted me to get closer. 
As I said I buried this memory for years surfaced with my fiancé who also had some weird paranormal experiences asked me if I could believe that she sees such things. I thought it was a demon not hunting for flesh but rather for souls if that word makes sense to you. I'm not religious but I know that thing was evil. I felt that much the beast was the scariest thing I ever saw but the woman was somehow scarier with her bedroom eyes, that come hither smile, like a scene straight out of the twilight zone or something and what? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Creeped me out most was that she evidently was showing herself only to me on a busy downtown street and no one else. Thanks for letting me get this off my chest. It's been bothering me for 40 years. Hope it helps someone. I've been a biologist ever since I was 22 years old. I grew up on a farm in rural Illinois, so nature has never been a stranger to me. Playing in the woods was how I entertained myself growing up. Spending all my time in a forest as a child, people expect me to have stories about Bigfoot, or strange noises, or finding some weird shrine out in the middle of the woods, but no. The weirdest thing I ever encountered was a bobcat screeching. It sounds just like a woman's dying scream, and yes, to everyone who's ever claimed to hear a skinwalker or goatman screeching in the woods at night, I promise you, it was just a bobcat. The truth is often mundane, and disappointing. You'd think this would mean I'd have gotten bored of the woods, but I never really lost my love for them. Nature is boring. That's why I like it. You know what to expect. That's why, after college, I decided to make studying nature my full-time career. I'm a biologist for the Sierra Club, specialized in the ecosystems of Midwestern America, fish, birds, deer, elk, bear, wolves, the like. I've spent weeks in fire towers, cabins, campsites, always miles away from civilization. I'm usually gathering data on local wildlife, measuring for pollutants, Determining whether the ecosystem is stable or if anything threatens it. The work is not glamorous, but I enjoy it. And nature had still never surprised me. Until my last assignment. I was designated to be stationed, alone, in a cabin in the Ozarks. The assignment was supposed to last last three weeks in May. The Sierra Club was alerted to a steady decline in the local elk population over the last decade. Nothing drastic but enough to raise concern. My job was to take census of the wildlife, measure for pollutants, 
The usual. These are my diary entries for my assignment, starting with my first night. I arrived in the evening in early May. Nothing was amiss the first two nights. It seemed an assignment like any other. The sounds of the forest were exactly what you'd expect. Crickets, an owl's hoot, and the occasional elk call. I was sent here in May because that's their mating season. The elk are out and about looking for odd dates, and that makes them easy to count. Elk mating is pretty straightforward. The female lets out a call and waits for a male to find her. Usually it's first come, first served, if you catch my drift. If only, right? It was clear that love was in the air, and for all the calling, you'd think I would start seeing elk. But by the second day, I still hadn't spotted a single one. The third night, I was lying awake in bed, uneasy. Something wasn't sitting right with me, but I couldn't put my finger on why. I was about to nod off when a female call cut through the night. I sighed. That was the second time that night I'd heard her. What, are the fellas having a guy's night in or something? And that's when it finally hit me. I shot bolt upright in bed. For the last three nights, I had heard nothing but female mating calls. That should have drawn every male within half a mile. Now elk are not discreet, and they don't beat around the bush. When that male gets to the female. Well, let's just that the whole forest will know about it. I sat in bed, staring out into the night, pondering. There have to be males close enough to hear this female. So after three nights of her calls. Why haven't I heard the main event? The third day, I went out onto the trails, once again looking for some sign of elk in the forest. What I found was not encouraging. About a quarter mile from my cabin, I was trekking down the trail when I noticed something 30 feet into the woods. A large, brown, fuzzy mass lying in the brush. I smiled. An elk taking a midday nap? I took out my binoculars to get a closer look. It was an elk all right. But my smile dropped when I realized that the brown, fuzzy mass was completely still. I carry a hunting rifle with me for safety. I readied it and approached the elk carefully. It looked fine from where I was standing. But I nearly dropped my rifle when I rounded to the animal's front. It was carnage. The poor creature had been completely gutted. What little remained of its entrails hung loosely out of its chest cavity. The ribs had been pulled apart, and huge claw marks scarred its flank. Its head was barely connected to its body by a few weak strands of flesh. I heaved, and almost lost what little breakfast I'd had. It was horrifying. I had to take a few moments to collect myself. This was the first time that nature had surprised me. What could have possibly done this? I've studied wildlife for years. This was a bull elk in its prime. It would have stood nine feet tall alive, a king of the forest. There is no predator on this continent that could have taken down a full-grown bull, pack or no pack. Even a grizzly wouldn't mess with something this big. And bears are mostly scavengers anyway. My mind raced through possibilities, trying to think of an explanation. Maybe it had been sick? Maybe a predator came upon it in its sleep, took it by surprise? Yes, that must be it. It couldn't have fought back. But this savagery. Those claw marks were bigger than even a grizzly's. And its ribs. No quadruped could have exerted leverage on the ribs to split them like that. 
You would need arms. A chilling thought occurred. A human? Could humans have done this? But why? Hunters would skin it, or take the head at least, to mount on their wall. Is some psychopath out here dismembering wildlife for fun? And that still wouldn't explain those gruesome claws. Whatever this was, it needed to be reported. I was sent here to investigate the elk population declining, and this had to be related. I fished out my camera to take photos. Having to document the horror from every angle was heart-wrenching. The look in its eyes. This elk had been terrified when it died. I went to take one last shot. Just as the shutter clicked, my ears registered something. A sound from behind me, that my camera had nearly drowned out. I whipped around. I had barely heard it, but it was there. A twig snapping. My camera hung from my neck, and my rifle from my shoulder. I dropped the one to snatch up the other. Idiot, I thought to myself as I pointed the rifle towards the sound. I had been so shaken by the sight of the body I had completely overlooked one important fact. The kill was fresh. This corpse hadn't even begun to decay. This elk had been dead no more than half a day. And that means whatever killed it may still be nearby. With my rifle still trained on the spot, I backed away towards the trail. My hike back to the cabin was the only time in my life I felt scared of the forest. Trees surrounding me on all sides, no visibility. I jumped at the slightest sounds, never lowering my rifle, never going more than five seconds without looking behind me. I felt like prey, never knowing where the danger would come from, or when. I didn't relax until my cabin door was closed and locked behind me. I spent the rest of my day inside the cabin, shaken. I readied the photos and sent them to my supervisors. They would take a day or two to respond. Until then, my plan was to investigate. During the day. And with my rifle ready. That night was my last night at the cabin. I was getting ready for bed when I heard a female elk call again. The first one that I'd heard that day. And close. Very close. Wildlife don't like buildings. They smell of fire and metal and gasoline, all unnatural to them. They steer clear. What was this elk doing so close to my cabin? I peered out my window into the dark of the forest. No sign of her. She must have been beyond the tree line. I grabbed my rifle. Of course, I wasn't going to shoot the elk. But I might send a few shots into the air to scare her off. It would be nice to know the elk are breeding normally, but I could do without front row seats. I unlocked my cabin and took a step out onto my porch, rifle still in hand. My eyes scanned the tree line, looking for the female. That's when a pair of antlers struck out from behind a tree. An elk's head followed them, and turned peer right out at me. But this was a buck. Probably attracted by the female's calls. This was promising but all the more reason to scare them away. I raised my rifle to the sky and prepared to fire. That was when the elk flew into the air. Or. Its head did. The buck's head sailed in an arc towards me and landed just feet away from my door. I stood there in shock, trying to process what had just happened. Something. Something or someone had been holding the head. And had just thrown it. I nearly pissed myself in fear. I pointed my rifle at the tree where the buck's head had appeared. 
The light from my cabin barely reached. Were my eyes playing tricks on me? Had I just seen claws retreat around the trunk? I was frozen. I needed to reach behind me to open my door and get back inside. But I was too scared to turn my back on the forest, or even take a hand off of my rifle. After a few seconds, I finally gathered up the nerve to brace the rifle against my shoulder, my finger still on the trigger. I groped behind me until my left hand found the door knob, never taking my eyes off the tree. Thank God the door had not locked behind me. With my left hand, I turned the knob and pushed open the door, then drew it back to my rifle. I backed away quickly into the cabin, slamming the door and locking it. I hurried to the windows, drawing all my blinds and making sure each was locked, never letting my rifle out of arm's reach. The terror I felt as I approached each window, never knowing if there would be someone or something on the other side of the glass staring back at me. There hadn't been, which was almost as unnerving. I rushed to the satellite phone to call the sheriff's office at the base of the mountain. The relief I felt when they picked up. You need to get up here. I pleaded. Who is this? It was the sheriff's deputy on the other end. I'd met him and the sheriff before beginning my stay at the cabin. It's me, I'm the guy stationed up at the cabin on the mountain. Oh sorry about that, what's the problem? There's someone up here messing with me. Get up here now. Whoa whoa, slow down, you mean like kids or something? No, it is not kids. Someone up here just threw a decapitated elk head at my cabin. In my panic, I'd somehow kept the awareness to use the phrase someone instead of something. I didn't want this guy to think I was drunk or crazy. I just needed him to get up here. Well what did they look like, how many were there? Did they have guns? I have no idea man, they killed a goddamn elk, cut the head off, and threw it at my cabin, just get the hell up here. Oh shit, okay, okay, lock yourself in there, we're on our way. Man, please stay on the line, I'm scared here. I really was terrified. I wanted someone to stay on the phone with me, even if it couldn't help me. The man replied I can't get to you and stay on the line at the same time. I'm calling the sheriff now, we're on our way, just lock yourself in and stay there. The man hung up. I swore. I was alone again. A female elk call rang out again. This time it was even closer. It sounded like it was right outside now. I took up my rifle again. That's when the tapping started. While I was talking to the deputy, I hadn't been watching the windows. The sound was coming from the window to the right of my front door. My eyes widened in horror. A single gray claw was tapping on the right edge of the window. Just one claw. Whatever it was attached to wanted to stay out of sight. The claw stopped tapping. Instead, it drew itself along the window and out of my sight, leaving a long, ugly scratch. The sound was horrible. But it didn't stop when it left the window. I could still hear it dragging along the wooden walls of my cabin. The creature was scratching through solid wood. Could it break through my windows? Why didn't it? My knees shook. I tracked the sound of the scratching with my rifle. My mind raced. Could this thing get in? How long until the sheriff showed up? I was high up on the mountain. The drive up here took 45 minutes. Even if they hurried it might be a half hour. 
Even if they did get here, could they stop this thing? Should I make a run for my truck? No. Whatever that thing was, it could get to me before I got the truck up and running. Something nagged at the back of my head, but I could barely think. The scratching was louder and louder. Whatever this thing was, it had torn a bull elk to shreds. How could I stop it? The bull. That's when I realized it. The head. It was the same head as the bull I'd seen earlier. It had the same scar down its right cheek. This thing. Was taunting me. It must have been there when I found the dead elk. It had been watching me. And now it had thrown the head at me. Was it telling me to go away? To get out of its territory? I gasped. With my mind racing, I hadn't noticed that the scratching had stopped. Where was that thing? My eyes darted from window to window. No sign of it. Until the loud thud right above me. It's on the goddamn roof. I thought. Its footsteps echoed through my cabin. Between each step came rhythmic taps, no doubt from its claws. Was it testing for weaknesses? Was it merely toying with me? It had only been a few minutes since I called the sheriff's office. I was still far from safety. I hadn't moved since the call. The thing on my roof thudded from spot to spot. The shock was starting to wear off. Focus. Think. I told myself. The thing had probably seen me through my window. It was right above me. The bathroom. The bathroom was the safest spot. There were no windows. If it does break in, it will have to look for me, then break through the bathroom door. That might buy me an extra minute, and it might save my life. The creature knew where I was. I had to try to change that. I slowly slipped off my shoes. Keeping my rifle trained on the roof, I kicked a shoe towards my bed. Sure enough, the thuds on my roof followed, stopping right above the spot where my shoe had landed. It's tracking me. I slowly shuffled to the bathroom, not raising my feet, afraid to make a sound. Praying that the door would not creak, I opened the bathroom, preparing to lock myself inside. I was shutting myself in, hoping that I wouldn't die in this bathroom, when I heard a loud scratch, followed by a dull thud. It had jumped off the roof. It was on the ground again, outside the cabin. Why? Was it going away? I was afraid to hope that maybe it had gotten bored, maybe it had found some other prey. That was when I heard the woman scream. I gasped and covered my mouth. How is that possible? No one else is up here. A hiker, a camper maybe? The scream came again. Help, she cried out. I gripped my rifle, crying now. I was frozen in fear. That thing was out there, chasing some poor woman and I was too cowardly to help her. I just wanted to stay in that bathroom, hiding, hoping that every second the thing spent chasing that woman was another second closer to the sheriff getting here. I don't know how long I sat there, cowering. Another, more desperate scream. Help me. There was something in her terror. She was more scared than I was. And there I sat, letting her die. My shame overcame my fear. I gripped my rifle tighter, and left the bathroom. I marched to the door, ready to face whatever this creature was. Maybe I could distract it. Buy time for her to get away. Maybe the sheriff would find her, even if the thing got me first. 
Just as I was reaching for the doorknob, she cried out again. A pained, dying scream. I was too late. That thing had gotten to her. I was a coward. And because of that, she was dead. The woman moaned in pain, this time just a few meters away from my door. This must be her final moments. And I listened, safe in my cabin. She groaned once more. But this sounded different somehow. It was. My eyes widened in shock and realization. I drew my hand from the doorknob, as if it had burned me. I had never unlocked it. Thank God. The moan came again. This time, unmistakable. That was not a moan of pain or terror. It was an entirely different kind of moaning. I backed away from the door. You mother f. I muttered. You almost got me. It all made sense now. There never was any female elk. Mimicry is a common adaptation in all ecosystems, both for prey and for predators. This thing. It let out female elk cries to draw in males. And then. Well, I had already seen the result, in the forest. That's why I never heard the elk mating. There was no female waiting for them. Only this monster. And now it was trying the same tactic on me. I nearly sobbed in terror. It had tried to lure me with the sound of a woman in distress. It thought that might draw me out. When that didn't work, it switched to its tried and true method, a mating call. I aimed my rifle at the door. The moans continued, louder and more intense, building into a climax. I was nauseous at the thought of whatever it was out there, squatting in the dark, mouth agape, emitting this perversion of a woman's voice trying to draw me out into the dark, and rip me apart just like that elk. I stood with my rifle trained at the door, not moving. I had resolved that I was going to stand there until the sun rose or until the sheriff came, and the moment I saw this thing, I was going to shoot it. I don't know how long I stood there among the echoes of that sick creature. Eventually, the moans puttered out, and I was left in silence. Until the tapping began again in the same spot as before. There it was. That single gray claw, tapping on that same spot where it had scratched the glass. But then a second claw joined it. Then a third. It drummed them along the glass. Slowly. Ever so slowly. A patch of gray fur poked out from the edge of the window. Time stopped. And the creature brought its face into full view. It was. Terrible. Like a sloth. But its mouth and nose were caked in blood. It had tiny, beady eyes, front-facing. A predator's eyes. Large, pointed ears, almost like a bat. Thin, cracked lips. The monster looked right into my eyes. It cocked its head. And then. It pulled those terrible, bloody lips back into a smile. Its razor-sharp teeth, still stained with blood and flesh. I'll never forget them. It pointed that hideous grin at me as it drummed those claws on my window. Shoot, 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 I told myself. But I was frozen. This thing was going to kill me. Light poured through the front window. The monster disappeared out of sight. The sheriff and deputy had arrived in their truck. The two of them sauntered up to my porch and knocked. I had to shake myself out of my stupor and open the door. Both of them backed off and drew their weapons at me, screaming at me to put the gun down. 
I was still in shock. I think the only thing that kept them from shooting me was the terrified look in my eyes. They asked me what the hell was going on. I could barely speak. I just kept frantically repeating that they needed to get inside, that it was still out there. They eventually told me to come with them down to the sheriff's station. At first, I refused to leave the cabin. They sort of half dragged, half walked me to the truck. They said I was like an owl the whole ride down, my head on a swivel, always scanning the tree line for it. I must have fallen asleep after I got to the station. I woke up the next morning in a cell. I was confused and disoriented. I nearly wept from fear when I finally remembered everything I had been through the night before. The sheriff and deputy sat me down in a room and asked me what the hell happened that night. I was silent at first. I didn't know what to tell them. If I told the truth, they'd think I was crazy. They asked me about the elk's head that I'd told them about during the call. It was gone when they got there. Just a bloody stain on the ground where it had been lying. I made up a story. Said that some kids were prowling around my cabin, making noises, trying to scare me. I called the sheriff's office because I thought I saw one of them with a gun. The sheriff only made me go over the story once. He seemed satisfied. He took me back up there the next day to collect my stuff. In broad daylight, of course. Sure enough, there were deep scratch marks along the side of the cabin. The sheriff didn't look at me. Kids he said. We collected my things quickly and hurried back down the mountain. I reported to my supervisors that it was probably overhunting causing the population decline. They would never believe the truth. The sheriff saw me off while I was waiting for the bus to take me back home. He shook my hand and drew me in for one of the manly half-hugs. He gripped my shoulder. Don't come back, he whispered. I gave him a confused look. He stared me right in the eyes. It knows you now. Has your scent. Seen your face. Heard your voice. You got away once. It won't happen again. So don't ever come back. That was years ago. I burned the clothes that I had worn that trip, so there's no way they'd end up near the Ozarks again. Never been back anywhere near the Ozarks. And anyone who's ever asked me, I always tell them to steer clear. I've spent so much time trying to forget what I saw that night. But that face. I remember every detail. It's kept me up so many nights, with so many questions. What the hell was it? Some freak of nature, a mutant that somehow survived past infancy? Something supernatural? An alien? Those ears. Perfectly crafted to detect minute sounds, just like a bat. That explains its mimicry. It grew up in that forest, hearing the elk calls. After a while it learned to copy them. I've spent so many nights asking myself how. How did it know a woman's voice? I dread to ponder the answer. When sleep finally comes, I have nightmares. Nightmares about campers sitting around their fire, when all of a sudden they hear a voice calling out to them from the woods, crying for help. The voice in my nightmares, calling them into the darkness of the trees, away from the safety of their fire. The voice. My voice. I wanted to tell you about something I had seen back in early 2002. It was shortly after the 9-11 attacks. 
I got off work one night, I went home, took a shower and I was about to go over to a friend of mine's house to hang out for a while. I was driving. I was in Moberly, Missouri at the time. I was driving past the cemetery and I look over at the cemetery and I see these three bright white lights coming in, they seemed to be coming in quickly. I thought to myself, since it was shortly after the attacks, that I was about to witness a plane crash because the bright white lights were coming in quickly and low to the ground. But as they came in closer to me, they slowed down and stopped. I was going down a street called Rollins Street. It's like a four-lane street and there was nobody around and it came in closer. As it came in closer, it stopped right above that street. It was probably above the ground as high as one of those telephone poles. I'd say the whole craft was probably at least a block in size. It was a solid pyramid. I won't say it was a black triangle because it wasn't a triangle. It was pyramid like it had the depth to it from the bottom of the craft up. It stopped right there and I think it was just like watching me or something because it noticed I was the only thing moving around below it and it stopped above me. It was floating there not making a sound in the sky. It was a solid, like I said, black pyramid, and each bottom tip was glowing a pure bright white light. Underneath it was like an inverted tornado of what looked like liquid light being sucked up into the bottom of the craft and it just sat there and I was saying to myself, oh my god, I am not seeing this. This is not real. And shortly after that thought, I was like, I need to get a witness, you know. So I got out of my car and I went to the nearest house and banged on the door. The person answered the door and came outside. It zipped off. Basically, at that point, I told them, you know. I was like, when I looked off into the sky, it was gone. I was like I just made up a name and I was like, I'm looking for, you know, so and so or something, like maybe I got the wrong house. By the time they came outside, it was gone and if I were to explain to them what I just saw, it would be they wouldn't believe me. Went backpacking with three of my buddies in 97 during summer break. We usually stick to the local state parks, land trusts, but this time we wanted to do a three-day trek so we went to a larger, more rural state park. Now this was before Blair Witch, but the trail we chose looked a lot like the forest it was filmed in. The trail hadn't been blazed in a while and we actually managed to lose it a few time while looking for a suitable place to camp. The site we chose backed up to a small rock wall and sheltered us pretty nicely. It was August in Alabama but the temperature in our little valley dropped surprisingly low so we decided to set our tents a little closer to the fire than we normally would. We all hit the sack after some dinner and the mandatory fart competition. About two hours later, I hear what I thought was one of my friends chomping on one of those loud-ass granola bars so I yell out shut the f up Jeff. The sound stops, but I can now hear that Jeff was snoring. So who? What the F was making that noise? I didn't hear it again after waiting a few minutes and figured it was a deer or large rodent having a midnight snack near my tent and I went back to sleep. About an hour later I practically jump out of my skin when the cries of a banshee or a woman being murdered filled the forest. At this point in my life I wouldn't have said I was an expert outdoorsman, but I had definitely spent a fair amount of my life outside during the day and night 
and I had never heard anything as terrifying as that. One of my friends flew out of his tent panting and yelling at us to wake up and get our boots on. He thought it was a woman or child being tortured and we needed to help. Jeff was still snoring loudly, so he didn't hear or care. I calmed myself down, put my boots on, and got my flashlight out. We stayed close to camp shining the light up and down the trail, all along the rock face, and towards the stream. Nothing. Then I shined my light up in the tree, because I don't know why, and there's a rather large shape about 50 up. I couldn't see his full outline, but I could I could see the shine of its unblinking eyes. We don't have mountain lions here, but bobcats are pretty common and it isn't entirely unheard of to have bear sightings in rural forested areas. I whispered over to my friend to shine his light up too so we can get a better look. As he did, the thing bellowed out its banshee shriek again and basically petrified both of us. This time is successfully managed to wake Jeff up, who stumbled out of his tent in his boxers and started to scream like a little girl covered in icky spiders. His scream scared off whatever this thing was from its roost and that's when we learned how apt the screech owl's name is. F you bird. When I was young, I spent a fortnight or so with my grandfather and father on my grandparents' sloop, sailing from Lake St. Clair, up around the Keweenaw and eventually stopping in Milwaukee. We frequently spent the night on open waters, since the Great Lakes are relatively peaceful and we are a sailing family with a passion for sleeping on the waves. We had been on Lake Superior without making port for a few days, enjoying the cool winds in each other's company. I woke up in the dark of the night to a large, bright northern moon and glassy waters. I went for a pee above deck, if you're male, you'll understand a certain desire to pee off the side of a boat, and was just ready to start the tinkle when a shadow crossed my peripheral vision. A small boat, maybe 14 to 16, open cabin, jib and mainsheet both laying loose on their lines. If you're into small sailboats, I'd make it a pintail or buccaneer. Everything looked shipshape, no tears in the sheets or hull damage that I could see. But it was empty, as far as I could tell, just adrift in the middle of Lake Superior. By the time I had roused my father, it was out of sight. He thought I had dreamt it up. There's a lot of ghost stories and sailors' tales in that area, and we had shared a good amount over the past week. But I know what I saw.